Welcome to this episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. I'm Scott Bernstein, and on this episode, we'll hear an interview with up-and-coming guitarist Yasmin Williams. Jam Bass's Andy Kahn recently caught up with Yasmin at last weekend's Blue Ox Festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We'll get to that interview in a moment, right after hearing about the sponsor of this episode. This episode is sponsored by Section 119. Section 119 is a clothing and apparel company that specializes in licensed merchandise for the Grateful Dead, Fish, and other bands. Products include shirts, hoodies, shorts, and accessories featuring distinctive logos and artwork. Made by fans for fans, shop officially licensed Grateful Dead and Fishman donut apparel, including button-downs, board shorts, ties, bow ties, pocket squares, ponchos, suits, and other gear. Section 119 offers officially licensed merchandise for fans of Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Jerry Garcia, and David Bowie as well. Section 119 is also the sponsor of Jambase's coverage of Dead & Company's final tour. Stay up to date on what's played at each show of the final tour via the Jambase Dead & Company The Skinny Hub, where you'll find links to recaps, setlist breakdowns, statistical analysis, live videos, and much more. Visit Section 119 at section119.com. That's S-E-C-T-I-O-N-119.com. And sign up to receive 10% off your first purchase. Hey, are you looking to go see live music over the 4th of July weekend? Jambase is pleased to share our new and improved concert finder to help you go see live music. Find concerts near you easily by filtering your search by location and radius, date ranges, genres, and more. Discover local shows and festivals tailored to your personal tastes. Use the concert finder signed into your Jambase account to filter your search by the artists you follow and discover shows you'll love with the new recommended filter. Visit Jambase and try out the new Concert Finder for yourself, and let us know what you think. All right, joining me now is Jambase's Andy Khan. How's it going, AK? I'm doing good. I, I think I'm mostly recovered from having been at Blue Ox all weekend, which is just in time to get on a plane later today to head out to High Sierra Music Festival in California this weekend. Back-to-back festival weekends in Wisconsin and California. That's quite the busy schedule. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm taking our own advice to go see live music pretty literally these days. But, you know, I had a wonderful experience last weekend at Blue Ox. I've had my eye on Blue Ox for several years now, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't able to go before this year. This was Blue Ox's ninth year, and it's the first time they've sold out the festival, which is quite the feat these days, given how many other fests are heading in the opposite direction. Host band Pertnier Sandstone have really got something special going in rural Wisconsin. I caught awesome performances by Mike Gordon, the Avett Brothers, Infamous String Dusters, Sierra Hull, Daniel Donato, Charlie Parr, and Sam Bush, along with a whole bunch of others. Wow, that's quite an impressive lineup. Sounds like you really had a great experience at Blue Ox. Definitely. I truly did. You know, I said all weekend, it felt like I was crashing a family reunion, but then the family turned out to be super cool and fun and inviting. Blue Ox is family friendly. It's at a super scenic location. And it's not overly crowded, despite being sold out. This may have been my first Blue Ox, but it certainly won't be my last. Kudos to the Blue Ox organizers for dealing with some serious heat, water stations were plentiful, and for dealing with a rainstorm on Saturday as well. I've been to a lot of festivals, and it was hard to find a fault with Blue Ox. And another performer you saw at Blue Ox was guitarist Yasmin Williams, right? That's right. Yasmin played on the, on the main stage on Friday, And it was one of the more memorable sets of the weekend, to be honest. I also interviewed her to talk about her musical mentors. She's developed a pretty unique sound and has an equally unique backstory. Yes, she does. And you'll hear shortly, 
She started her journey to guitar through the video game Guitar Hero. I got to say, this was my first musical mentors interview where I asked if a video game was considered a mentor. <laughs> That's wild. From Guitar Hero to the main stage at Blue Ox. That's quite an incredible trajectory. What else did you talk to her about? You know, we discussed her progression from Guitar Hero to electric guitar to what's now her main focus, acoustic guitar. Yasmin told me about how she still uses what she learned in high school about music technology and recording, and also about the challenges of going from being a self-taught musician to studying music in college. Did you get into how her, she developed her unique approach to playing guitar? We did, yeah. Um, like I said before, a lot of it was self-taught or learning from YouTube and the like. Like, for example, she often plays with the guitar on her lap. But that came from how she used the controller when playing Guitar Hero, not from seeing someone else playing the guitar with it in their lap. Man, I've seen some video clips of Yasmin where she's doing things with the guitar I've just never seen before. Yeah, like she'll use a hammer similar to a dulcimer hammer. She plays a thumb piano at the same time as the guitar. And she plays rhythm while wearing tap shoes. I saw her do all of that during her Blue Ox set. It's truly an impressive sight to see. Oh, I'm glad you had such a great time at Blue Ox, and I'm excited to get to share your interview with Yasmin Williams. Thanks, man. It was fantastic all around, and I really enjoyed talking to Yasmin. Go see her if you get the chance. You won't be disappointed. You can also check out her excellent album, Urban Driftwood, which came out in 2021. All right. Let's get to Andy's interview with Yasmin Williams backstage at the Blue Ox Festival. We'll lead into the interview with Yasmin's untitled song that comes up in her conversation with Andy. Yasmin Williams, 
We are backstage at the Blue Ox Festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah, hello. How are you? I'm great. My set was really fun. I, really cool vibes here. I, I got to I got here early to to catch your set this morning. Thank you. Or, I guess it was shortly this afternoon. Yeah. Shortly afternoon, um, on the main stage. Lots of people there came out early to see you. Um, yeah. What did you think of the set? I thought it was great. I thought it was really, I thought it went really well. And the crowd was very engaged, um, very responsive. And they moved in closer yeah, and yeah. tried to see what I was doing. And it was really, it was really nice. Great vibe. You know, there was, there's somewhat of an instru instructional aspect to your <laughs> there set, is. right? Um, <laughs> is that common? Like, do you do that most... Uh, is that something that you do more at like festivals or do you do that in your, uh, your you know, your headlining shows? I do that in festivals and headlining shows. It's a little different vibe at festivals because it's not as personal usually or intimate, I guess, as a headlining show would be. But um, yeah, I just like to tell people what I'm doing, really. I feel mm -hmm. like it's a kind of major aspect of, of the show. So And, and yeah. do, you, do you like the, the festival experience? Do you like playing festival? I love the festival? festival experience. Now I do, yeah. I, it took what what me do you mean little, now you do? It took me a little bit to get used to it because festivals are just usually, they just feel so big and there's mm -hmm. a lot of people mm -hmm. and it's, it's just different than just playing in a room, you know, at a yeah, regular and, show. And your music has a certain intimacy to it. Exactly, right. exactly. So to kind of cultivate that to where it would work in a festival setting took a little bit of time, but it was pretty, it was I, I quickly learned to, to, to love it. <laughs> it's nice. And and you recently played Telluride Festival? Yeah, that was some days ago. And, <laughs> and, and and how was that experience for you? That was, oh my goodness, that was insane. There's Telluride is bigger than Blue Ox. I think there's, what, 5,000 cap here maybe? I think that's right, yeah. And Telluride is 10 or 12 or something. Mm -hmm. And they were, and there's only one stage at Telluride too. I mean, there's more stages here. So oh, yeah. everyone plays on the same stage and the crowd is there from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Uh -huh. So it was really, really, really cool. Um, very scenic, very high up in the air. Yes. No yes. oxygen. How was that? <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely bought an oxygen can or two. <laughs> All right. All right. I haven't tried that before. but It works. I it? mean, I did a hike that was pretty high up. I think we were 12,000 feet up. Oh, wow. And the oxygen came in handy. <laughs> nice. But here, I don't need that, so it's nice. No, there's a different kind of lack of oxygen here, though, with the it, oppressive Honestly, <laughs> I was going to say it's so hot. I wasn't expecting this at all. I thought it'd be like 60s. Yeah, no. Uh -huh. I brought pants. They're, like, I'm not going to oh, need no, pants no, here. No, no. I, I did not pack pants. Thankfully, no. I didn't wear them today. <laughs> no, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it is. But uh, the, the crown, your, your, yeah. your fit is, is looking Thank good, you. I The flower say. crowns yeah, that flower they make crown. in the bag, it's so cool. Um, So we're going to talk... Uh, we, we, uh, about um, musical mentors. Yeah, that's uh, sort of what this what one of the topics here that we, we like to talk about on, on the podcast. And and I, I know that you know a big part of your story is of course your relationship with Guitar Hero. Yes. <laughs> so for anybody out there that might not know, can you give a quick synopsis? Sure. So when I was twelve, I beat the game, the Guitar Hero two, um, and I was honestly, I just. That was my first like introduction to hard rock and metal music uh -huh. because previously as a kid and just my family listened to a lot of kind of hip hop, some gospel, R&B, smooth jazz, that type of thing. Sure. Um, which I loved and still love to this day. But once I heard like metal and hard rock from the game, I was like, whoa, this is not what I'm used to listening to. I didn't uh -huh. really know this was a thing. And I just... It was really cool, and it fit my kind of angsty attitude at the time. I was a preteen, you know. So did you go out and, like, listen to the music 
outside of the game. Yeah, like, I th- like that. I just looked up because I mean, YouTube was huge for me back then, and the algorithm was great. <laughs> so it was like I type in something, and then it showed me like twenty other things that were relevant, and it was just awesome. So I, I don't think I've ever asked this question doing this segment before, but would you consider Guitar Hero to be a mentor of yours? Yeah, that's, that's a- the reason I play guitar. So. Walk me through that. How did you go from oh sure some beat from from defeating Guitar Hero two right yes so and, and was there like a, a favorite song or something that you had to yes what was your, what was that I had two favorite songs from the game which kind of honestly were the ones that kind of inspired me to start playing actual electric guitar uh-huh. um there's a song by a band are they a band I so there's a show called a Metal Apocalypse or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So the, Death um, Clock. Uh huh. Oh yeah, sure, Their sure. Song for sure. Thunder Horse was on the game, and okay. I love that song to death. It was such a good song. It's like Adult Swim, right? It's or Adult something? Swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, as a twelve-year-old, mm, sketchy, but um, <laughs> I really like that song. And there's another song that was instrumental, um, called Gemini. I don't remember who it was by, but those two songs really kind of catapulted me in terms of like, okay, I need an actual guitar. And I need to learn how to play guitar like now. Now, what, you said you, you listened to music in your family. Did yeah. anybody in your family play instruments? Um, my mom played clarinet for a while in her like youth. And uh-huh. actually, that was the first thing I played that was an instrument, her clarinet oh, in, okay. in school band in third grade. And I played that for 15, 16 years. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's your first That's instrument. my first thing, yeah. And okay. I was in choir and church. What, like four or five years old to, I don't remember when I stopped being oh. in choir, but I was in choir for a while throughout school and district choir, state choir, whatever. Um, so those were my kind of first forays into music making. And just my family is extremely musical. So we would just yeah. sing in the car, sing in the house, yeah. rap. We all have our verses. We all have our parts. Um, it, was, it was ciphers. Cool. Exactly. Ciphers. <laughs> like it was, it was cool. It was a cool, cool childhood. <laughs> so then, so from clarinet, to guitar, to guitar in eighth grade but, and but, Guitar but, Hero. But, but through Guitar Hero. Yes. Guitar Hero turned into actual guitar basically because of how I played the game and how I beat the game. So I don't really, I don't know if I should go into how you play it, but basically what I did well, but was- you were talking about it during your set. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you kind of demonstrated that like you kind of do the Eddie Vedder tapping. Pretty much, right? but just with the guitar in my lap. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's- just works better for me. And you mean the guitar controller? Yes, the controller. For, right, you put that which turned on into lap. an actual guitar. Now, had you seen? This is what I'm wondering. Had you seen anybody that played like a lap guitar no. do that Never. and thought like, "Oh, I can do that." Would be easier for Guitar Hero. No, nope. I just tried it one day because I was just really annoyed that I couldn't get past. I don't remember the song it was, but it was an expert level. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? This song's too fast. I can't. I just can't physically do it with the guitar right side up. So I just put it in my lap and just started like hammering on the buttons. And I knew where the buttons were, so I didn't have to look down at it at all. Yeah. And that worked perfectly. <laughs> so when you, when you, how old were you then when you got your first? 12. And, and was it an electric guitar? It was an electric guitar. I asked for an electric guitar. It was a cherry red Epiphone special model SG. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> Still fine. have it. No, yeah. Do you yeah. play it much? I play it sometimes, yeah, yeah. just to keep it up. You, you know? shed? Like, can you, can you rip? Like how? Riff. Like can you trick? Like does, I can riff. Yeah, I learned a lot of metal licks. That's what I was gonna say. Like I'm, I'm sure. I never learned that if, how to. If that's the music that you were into. Yes. And it's riff rock. Like I learned a lot of riffs. Like riffs. I loved Black Sabbath back then. I learned all of that. I loved like ACDC and like metal metal bands like Obscura and 
uh, necrophages. I can't play that stuff, but <laughs> yeah. So then, when do you put down the electric guitar and switch over to acoustic? two years after I started playing? So when I was around 14, 14 and a half ish, I asked my parents to get me an acoustic guitar because at that point I wasn't interested in starting a band really, and mm-hmm. I didn't really have anyone to play with. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't really want to play with anyone, to be honest. <laughs> so I figured, like, acoustic guitar might be a better solo instrument. And at that point, I had discovered some artists on YouTube that I really liked, like Khaki King. And uh-huh. um, I remember watching John Butler's Ocean, his song Ocean, uh-huh. like sure, that video. Sure. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And I didn't know acoustic guitar could really sound like this. And um, this is before you had an acoustic guitar? This so like, is before, so yeah. This is sort or of right around the same time as the I inspiration. had Those yeah. are some of the inspirations for when I Some, a little and, bit. Yeah. yeah, and just I just honestly, what really did it was I was I took a month of guitar lessons because I just thought I needed to. And I was still playing electric guitar at this point. Mm-hmm. And my teacher introduced me to fingerstyle guitar. Okay. And that was, he taught me Blackbird by the Beatles. Uh-huh. And that did it for me. I was completely done with electric guitar, did not care, didn't oh, just wow. dropped it that same day and just wanted an acoustic guitar immediately. <laughs> what would you describe? Like how would what's your finger style? Um does it, you know, does it have a name? Is I it don't one know. of the is it like a classical, you know, the, the Travis style or whatever? I mean, I've learned some classical, I took some or I was taught classical music by some guitar players and played classical guitar for some time, but I don't think I have a classical style. It's more just I don't know, just regular finger style, but uh-huh. not. I don't know. Did did do you think that you were able to pick up finger style because of your your history with Guitar Hero? Maybe doesn't it have the other aspect? Yeah, to it? it's strumming. I'm involved. not that familiar. Some with of it. the songs have strumming like little, with the right hand right? and a whammy bar, and uh-huh. you have to be coordinated. Right. Or else so you, it at least you got you using two hands <laughs> yes. separately too. As far as getting me in a finger style, I think it was just a natural thing that I just. It just felt more comfortable to me than using a plectrum. So, and was it one of those things too, where it was like once you kind of did it and kind of like practiced it and figured it out that it, it was like immediately. But was it also like this is really cool? It was so cool <laughs> like, to I use all of my fingers. It. Like I just want to sit and do it and exactly. hear myself do it all yes. day. Like I play Blackbird every day, day and all then day. you become as good as you are. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's that's what happened. But it was it was immediate. Like it took me a, maybe a, a day to learn Blackbird, and I had never uh-huh. played fingerstyle before. I didn't know. But it was just so cool. It was just like, wow, the sensation of using my fingers and not a pick is a lot better. My left hand can do things that feel more comfortable than what it was doing when I was trying to play metal. And it just felt more like me, you know? Uh I'm not a, I mean, maybe I shred a little, I don't know. But I don't really consider myself to be like a shredder. Right. Like a Paul Gilbert or a Buckethead or something, Uh um, which Uh is who I wanted to be like. Once I realized, you know, there's other ways to play guitar that are just as cool, if not cooler, and use more I don't want to say more imagination but it causes me to use more imagination and try to figure out arrangements and things I can do as a solo player that was more inspiring than playing as fast as I could <laughs> and who were you getting inspiration or who are you taking influence from at that point for uh-huh. fingerstyle guitar no one really really it was just me I was experimenting with tunings just tuning my guitar to whatever I wanted using random stuff like remote controls and Right. brushes and just random crap on my guitar. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, it was just, the experimentation was the inspiration for me at that point. Sure. I wasn't trying to sound like anyone else and didn't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I went right? to college for music. Well, I went to college for music tech first, and then I transferred and went to or majored in music theory and composition. But you consider yourself self-taught. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So then, when you did start going to school, was there a learning curve there? There was from a steep being learning curve self-taught mm -hmm. because in high school i didn't get to take any music theory classes or anything and uh -huh. being a composition major in college you need to know that and be very good at it right so learning that stuff was i mean basically went from basic musicianship to like honors music theory <laughs> in like a year and it was a lot and ear training and dictation and all of that i didn't know anything about that luckily i have a really good ear and always have so that got me through did you find a mentorship at all in school? Yeah, my private composition teacher, Dr. Young Miha, was really, um, really helpful. And she let me kind of do what I wanted, which was really yeah. nice. I didn't have to do something like the classical music, like, oh, write a uh, trumpet concerto, write uh -huh, a blah, blah, uh -huh. blah. Like, I could write guitar stuff and write for my friends and do cool stuff. That's cool. So, yeah. Do you keep in touch? Uh, Not lately, but I should reach out to her, shout actually. Out. Yeah, shout out. I'll send her this. <laughs> That's cool. So... From, from, was it during school then that you started writing your own compositions? High school. High school, you were. I put out an EP in high school. Oh, really? For my junior year project, I okay. recorded, mixed it, mastered it, and did everything myself. And was uh, you said you you didn't learn theory in school, but were no. you in a in a music program at all or something? Yeah, it sounds I went like to it, I went to performing if, arts high school. Oh, cool, so cool. I went for music technology, which was I was huge into that, still am huge into that, um, and I just wanted to learn how to record and. Just be self-sufficient. <laughs> so who did you see as an influence or an inspiration when you started writing your own song? Um, Because you have such a, like, what we've just talked about is quite an, quite an eclectic I know. Like, I really didn't have and, and an like, influence. You could have written anything. It's, you know, you could have started writing anything at that point yeah. with, like, having gone the scope that you've gone through. I know. Right? <laughs> I just, it was really just all about open tunings for me at that point and just I was just writing music that would just kind of pop up in my head so who introduced you to open tunings no one how did you how did you I just like, tuned my guitar differently okay <laughs> and, and that was because and that was like that's part of the self-taught yeah so there were players like Eric Mongren's a French Canadian guy who uh -huh. was really cool to me back then and still is very cool yeah. um I listened to a little bit of his music back then and I was because it just sounds very complex but also like accessible um and again like khaki kang and they're i didn't really like a lot of the fingerstyle players to be honest i don't okay. want to start anything by saying this but uh they were very showy and yes not i know what you mean compositionally oriented which i was mm -hmm. and still am so it can uh, be more about the technique it's about the technique right. for sure and the kind Rather of flashiness of it then is the song good do i want to listen to it again no okay move on to the next person so when you <laughs> did start writing your own songs yeah did you always intend for the to be for you for you to be an in, instrumental musician mm -hmm. i had no plans of singing anything at all at that point and that feels like that's changing now a little bit but um I mean, you said you were in the choir, right? Yeah, that, I was. That was part of your like, upbringing. It was, but I consider that to be like kind of like a past thing. Okay. Guitar to me, there's honestly, there's just so much to learn with guitar. Mm -hmm. I really don't have time or the willpower to throw in other things with that. I'm still yeah. learning how to play guitar. <laughs> and it's taking up a lot of my time. So sure. <laughs> I want to focus on that and just get as good as I can on that. And now I'm feeling comfortable adding other things and learning other things like banjo and 
maybe singing again or whatever, but I'm still just all about guitar. There's just so much you can do with it. Oh, well, and you are doing so much with it. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I was going to go to next is then, so when in your, along your development, did you start incorporating yeah. the, you know, the different techniques that you use? Probably late high school was when the lap, like when like I got good at lap tapping. Or, okay. Well, sophomore year, actually. Sophomore year of high school is when I got, like, comfortable and started focusing on that exclusively, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And late high school, early college is when I started adding other things like kalimbas and hammers and bows and tap shoes and other things. And what was your inspiration there? Problem solving and figuring out how to do things as a solo <laughs> musician. Yeah. I've never seen anyone use tap shoes or... a. I didn't see Jimmy Page use a bow until late college <laughs> and Saigaras. Uh, but yeah, I just I just wanted to add more textures to the guitar because it's really cool just to play fingerstyle, but it's even cooler when you can just add like different things to it and make it sound like a like a violin or make it sound like a drum, make it you know. And was this like I'll use the term kind of bedroom experimenting for you? Exclusively. Like, yeah, like <laughs> Exclusively. Like um, in late in high school, it was a performing arts school, so we could like walk around their instruments and play in the hallway between class and stuff. So I would do that. Oh wow! Um, and just play in my room. My parents were really cool and didn't care yeah. <laughs> if I played until two a.m. that you can another way that you can convey a message through your music is in the the song title exactly right? so one thing that i've asked a lot with uh, instrumental musicians is, is like what's your process for writing the titles to your songs because yeah i imagine they take um on a slightly more gravity you mm -hmm. know they can convey more of a message for sure right my process is to have other people name my songs Okay. I don't name my song. So I noticed today the first song you played was unnamed. Mm -hmm. And like, this is where it, I, was, I was like, this is going to be a perfect <laughs> I want to know. So like, how do you yeah. go from, and you said you, you've been playing the song for like two years? Yeah, I wrote it what, two years ago, I think. So is it just parentheses unnamed right now? It's unnamed. <laughs> um, there's con There are contenders that people have, have given me. and But it's still, I haven't decided yet. But And how do you then go about gathering titles from other people? I ask people if they have any suggestions and at shows or festivals, whatever. And people usually do. Really? It never fails. I've had song naming contests um, where I've just like, okay, here's a song. Please help me name it. And that's where I got my title, Urban Driftwood, for my record from. Oh, really? And yeah, other song titles. Because that's a great title. It can be such Isn't a, it? It's such a dynamite message. It's awesome. I didn't come up with that. 
<laughs> I'm horrible at naming we'll my songs. Sh- we'll, we'll shout out out there to, you know, to whoever did. They got a credit on my album. Oh, really? Everyone gets credits on my album who named my songs. Yeah. That's so cool. But I, um, I wish I was better at it. I can't. Give me, send me some demos. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I feel like playing the song for others and getting their take on it and seeing how they feel about it almost always matches up with what I was trying to convey anyway. Uh-huh. And then other people are way better at naming it than I am. So yeah. why not have other people do that? You know, that's that's what I do. <laughs> when when you then do give it a title from somebody else, mm-hmm. does that make the song mean something different for you? No. Has, like, has it ever, though? Uh, it's added more layers, especially with, like, Urban Driftwood as a title. That has, like, it's very multi-layered in terms of like urban meaning like where i'm from right. who i am driftwood my guitar right. like how that came to be and just like how it, it's a lot um but yeah people can really like come up with names that make me think deeper about the song but usually it does capture the essence that i was trying to convey anyway that's that's incredible really i mean honestly <laughs> I, I would have never it lets me know i'm doing my job I you would know? have never have guessed that. Like, <laughs> really? That's the process. Yeah. No, yeah. Totally. I thought like, oh, she just, especially like with the one song today, you know, like, oh, she's just asking, you know? Oh, like, no, I really do need suggestions. <laughs> so so then uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about your set uh, that we didn't get to earlier, but mm-hmm. like you covered Post Malone. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you craft your set list and how do you go about incorporating like a song like that? Yeah. So. There are, I really like to start out with the first two songs that the untitled song and Juvenescence, just to get my fingers kind of moving and they just make me feel comfortable on stage. Um, And then after that, I don't know. Um, I don't really write set lists out unless I have to. That's cool. Uh, I have a, you know, a library of songs in my head and I pick from that and I try not to repeat anything. And um, <laughs> and I do love to end with Restless Heart and or Get Cut and Restless Heart. I love to end with uh-huh. those because they're really contrasting and yeah. um, they just don't really belong anywhere else in the set, I don't think. But uh, other than that, the middle is completely random, you so, know. And then so, so how did, why the, why? Today? Why, but yeah, why why today and why yeah. the Post Malone cover? I thought Post Malone, is, it was just funny to me, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Like I'm at, you know, I'm it, at a full festival. Sick. I thought or, it was you know, really cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> I love to play it. At, <laughs> it was funny. You were like, any Post Malone fans out there? And it was like. <laughs> it was at first like nobody clubs. <laughs> I ended up being like, I did. <laughs> I just felt bad for posting. I know, right? <laughs> like, I think other people felt bad too. So there are more people. But I, I just like to play that song because it's a, it's a rap song. It's a hip hop song. Yeah, yeah. And I like to play it in kind of unexpected places like bluegrass festivals yeah. or folk festivals or whatever you yeah. know oh, it's just great. funny to me and Definitely. it's a it's a cool song i love the song so why not
know I'm kind of jumping around now, but that's we were okay. talking in also earlier about you know your the different tools that you use, your, your different yeah. sort of approach, and and you mentioned the kalimba, which is the it, 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 it's like the it's like a thumb piano. Thumb piano. Yeah, yep. that's what I was gonna say. Um, and uh, tap shoes. Mm-hmm. So, can you briefly? How would you describe to somebody who's never seen you what your sort of live setup is? Sure. So it's pretty. Um, I've tried to just only take things that I absolutely need, and I've tried to kind of make it as efficient as possible. So I have a pedal board with three pedals on it. I was going to say, I couldn't even tell if you had a pedal board. I have, like, you know, it, basically it, it, I just use reverb and um, a tone dexter, which makes my guitar sound like mic'd. Uh-huh. So it makes the pickup sound better. Uh-huh. And I have a tuner. And that's it. it you don't loop or anything. Nope. Yeah. I used to carry around a looper. I used to carry around a big pedal board. But yeah. I just, I'm tired. I just got tired of it. I had that thought today. I was like, like, you could tell it's pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward, yeah. And I just have my two kalimbas mm-hmm. that just sit on a little table. That you Prop up on top of your. Oh yeah, I just have tape. They have tape on the back. Okay. And I just stick it on. Okay. (laughs) And I have my little. So you'll simultaneously be playing it. Yes, simultaneously. Yes. So I don't. Honestly, I've tried to use loopers. I don't like them. Yeah. They feel very unnatural. Mm -hmm. And for sure, it just takes me. Honestly, if I sat down with them for maybe a week or something and got decent at it, then fine. But I don't want to travel with one. I don't really need one right now. So. Why? guitar hammer that I use to just get like a kind of hammer dulcimer metallic sound of the guitar. And is it similar to like a dulcimer hammer? It is very similar to a dulcimer hammer. It just has like kind of a flatter head to like hit the guitar strings without missing, which it's easy to miss (laughs) with it still. Uh, But I try not to do that. (laughs) And sometimes I carry around my violin bow, which with these strings I'm using, it doesn't really sound great. But if I'm using uncoated strings, it sounds much better and I bring it with me. Um, and what else do I have? I have thumb picks. I okay. play with thumb picks all, all, uh, exclusively. Um, sure. They and just that, sound better. T- for your finger picking. Yeah, it's for finger picking. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just more natural for some reason to use a thumb pick. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But uh, Black Mountain thumb picks, great thumb picks. And uh, pretty much it. That's pretty, I mean, oh, my tap shoes and yeah, my wooden board shoes. on my guitar case that I use my tap shoes on that so just gets mic'd. And that's it. Yeah, everything that, is contained. Time. Every yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> everything's self-contained. I just it takes it's super quick setup. Uh, it's easy. <laughs> so when did you start touring and going out and, and pursuing a, a professional career? I started touring a lot in twenty twenty one after my my record Urban Driftwood came out. Okay, but I've been playing shows since honestly since before college. Um, yeah. Like open mics and things and like local shows in high school. 
And then in college, I played a lot for <laughs> the deans. Love me, so they'd have me play at like deans things, and oh, like, yeah. and they like I get paid to do it. It was awesome. Yeah. Um. And like that, I'm sure that's like the perfect music. It was that, the perfect music settings. for luncheons yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and um, like a uh, new student seminars yeah, that yeah. which NYU is a huge school, so there was a lot of people there. It was really cool. And then uh, some shows in New York City. And after that, like 2021, it's really when things popped off. Um, uh huh. Yeah, was, I mean that's when I. Yeah. Yeah. That's when things kind of went from zero to 100, pretty much. And did you have any mentors there? Did you have anybody that you looked to to help you kind of start that pursuit? Honestly, mentorship back then was very limited. Yeah. I had some people locally who would help get me shows before Benjiffa came out, like mm -hmm. when my first record came out, and that also gave me a big push at that point, so I could get more local shows and yeah. you know whatever. There were people locally who helped me a lot, um, but mentorship, no, not yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, would have been useful, but now I can say I have a lot of really cool friends who are doing really cool stuff. Well, so. yeah, so now you have, you, you've done a lot of collaboration. Yeah, right? exactly. Do you enjoy that? I mean, you're a solo artist, mm -hmm. but you do, I, you know, you're I love active with a lot of other things. I love sitting in on people's sets if they're in, in D.C. playing. Uh -huh. And I love just, I don't know. It's something that I used to be kind of, not scared of, but more like weary of in terms of like, I, I'm just a solo player and that's what I should stick to. But now it's like, oh, I'll play with whoever, you know, yeah. especially if they're a friend. Well, um, well, speaking of friend, a uh, friend of the podcast, friend, and now honestly, friend of mine, William Tyler. William, um, yeah. What did you guys just do out in New York, like in March? We did the we played at Coffin Music Center. We did a uh, a thing with a chamber ensemble. With, yeah, I saw some it was like, so Instagram cool. posts and stuff yeah. about it, and it looked amazing. They arranged our some of our songs, some of my songs, some of William's songs, and we all played together. So there was a viola player, two violins marimba nice. and william and i and it was so fun it was awesome it looked just like like very fulfilling yeah it right? was like, it like was a, like a life experience it was i will never forget it like we went up to western massachusetts for a few days yeah to, like william was posting or maybe even you was we're posting like pictures yeah. of the rehearsals like yeah we're rehearsals hanging out and house. hanging out yeah. and and like I love Turner Falls, Massachusetts now. Yeah, shout <laughs> like out the most Turner random, <laughs> most random spot ever. It has great food, but anyway, it was so cool. And just to work with people in that capacity, it's not something I get to do often. So it's it's a uh, it's always fun when it happens, and that was especially fun. Oh, I bet. Uh, uh, he, I mean, William's awesome, and then uh, like I said, like it just looked like you guys were elevating yeah. your music. Like that's right? exactly how I would phrase it, elevating. Like just it's so multidimensional both of our tunes and uh it's nice to be able to showcase that. Not yeah. just as a solo performer but like hey, there's other people who can come along and play this music and, and make it what yeah. how it could blossom. Exactly, exactly. So that was really fulfilling and really just inspirational to be honest. So then you also did the uh, you were on Tommy Emmanuel's record. His PBS thing or his record? Yeah, didn't you? Weren't you on uh, his record? Yeah, yeah right? and his PBS thing. Yeah. So that was. How, how did that happen? <laughs> so Tommy and I have because William makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tommy Emmanuel. We have the same manager. Sense. Okay. And honestly, that Tommy makes a lot of sense. Actually, I opened. <laughs> I've heard that. Well, right. there, yeah, there you go. I opened I've heard that before <laughs> for Tommy at the Bridgemere. Uh, two years ago. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think. And that was like we just became kind of buds then. And uh, 
he asked me to be on his record and play Mombasa because that's what we played at the when I opened for him. Oh, okay. Uh, we played Mombasa together, and I've always loved that song. So I was like, of course, heck yeah. And he let me solo. It was very cool. So, would you, so would you, what have you learned from him from being, you know? He plays 24-7. Yeah. And I've learned that it's practice is necessary. So and I already knew that because I practiced a ton when I was coming up and you know did learning you see guitar. Him practicing? Yeah. He'll play in the airport. That's amazing. He'll take a nap and then play. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like it's just he plays constantly. And I don't really see many others doing that. I don't do that yeah. at all. And it made me want to. And just his skill, like how fast he can play, how emotional like the emotional quality of his music yeah how varied his music is yeah i mean chad atkins is in there and doc's in there and mm-hmm. those type of people but it's also very much like okay tommy's tunes are you're gonna feel something after he's done playing them so definitely i take a lot of inspiration from people who just write good songs yeah instrumental or not Another festival and some more festival stops coming up. Yeah, right? yeah. Smithsonian Folk Life in DC, uh, High Sierra, Bliss Fest, uh, 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 Ossipee Valley Music Fest in Maine, um, and then other stuff in the UK in August that's coming up. Yeah, yeah is that what Indigo Girls? Yeah, I'm opening for the Indigo Girls, and I have I'm playing Green Man and Shambhala Fest, I think. And yeah, have you interacted with the Indigo Girls before? Yeah, I opened yeah. for them. In New York, at I think we were in Paramount, I think the venue was called, and then they asked oh, me yeah, to sit yeah. in with them at Charlottesville, and that was very fun. Oh, you sat in with them? Yeah. Oh, wow. What'd you play? I played on, what, two or three of their songs? Oh, really? What were the songs? I gotta look that up. I don't think I knew that. I don't remember the songs. Close, closer to find. I don't know. That <laughs> <laughs> was so fun, though. I was super honored they asked me to come out. I bet. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they're, they're super sh- nice, man. So, so what's it like? What do you take from them? I mean... Just the fact that they want me to play with them is <laughs> a yeah. lot. Yeah. And honestly, it's just interesting to see how, like, musicians are just normal people, really. I mean, we have a skill, but we're just like anybody else. We're yeah. not, we have to work at the skill to keep up, you know, yeah. to keep fine-tuned and stuff. And, like, they took their sound check seriously. They take practice seriously. They take their shows very seriously. Everything is lined up perfectly. Everything is, mm-hmm. it's really cool see people just doing what they do best and just succeeding in their craft really being super professional being right? super yeah. professional like everything's professionally done it's yeah and can we expect new music from you absolutely i'm working on my third record right now and 
we've been talking a lot, a lot about collaborations, and there will be a lot of guests on I that. I was going to ask, so what's that going to look like? Is it going to be... There will be vocals. There will be... There will be your vocals? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I thought... I mean, maybe, maybe. I had to you clarify. know what? Maybe, maybe. Maybe some BBs? Maybe, but definitely <laughs> vocals from other people who sing much better than I do. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And just other instrumental players, and uh, you will definitely recognize some names on there for sure. What's the timeline looking like? Uh, Probably I know that next, can be kind of. It's yeah. murky. Yeah. Next year, February, March-ish. And what do the what's the recording sessions looking like? Honestly, I'm still recording my parts. I'm gonna okay. do. I do my parts at home in a local studio. Okay. Uh, like Maryland, at, but at an actual studio. Like yeah, not, yeah, not studio. At home, right? Oh no, 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 Just not at home. I meant yeah. like a local studio. <laughs> in your, in your, gotcha. Not my, no, not my Nearby. bedroom now. No. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, a local studio that I recorded Urban Driftwood at. Actually, um, I'm recording my guitar parts and banjo parts and drum parts and all of that there, and then everyone else either comes down to me or I go to them. Or they send me remote recordings, and that's a lot. That's new to have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're the producer. Yep. Right. Yep. And are you you're drawing upon like just kind of go back to what we were talking about? You're drawing upon like the the music tech that you studied, mm -hmm. right? In high school. Yeah, man. Going back to high school. For right? sure. Yeah. Now, high school and college. And now you're using that knowledge to record it's with, really full circle with whoever this amazing yeah. cast of musicians is. i know it's like wow like high school wasn't Look a waste that. of time yeah, right? <laughs> like, well, i learned and, something and, and you're like it's like you're applying it you know yeah, I mean, that's really really cool it's really rewarding i've thought about that recently like everything yeah. that i've done to this point has been useful in terms of like music stuff well that's it there's like this steady progression like, yeah. you know, your story has this really cool through line. Thanks. To to right now. To yeah. Today here at Blue Ox. Thanks, know? man. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of trippy to think about, but it's just like, you know, life, life happens and you just have to kind of steer it in the right direction. Well, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you could tell me where it hasn't always been. A oh, for path, sure. You know, but, but for honestly, my for the most view, part, for the most yeah. part, it's been, you know. Things have happened in due time, yeah. and things will continue to happen in due time, hopefully. So, well, I I hope for nothing but the best for you. Thank and, you, uh, I appreciate that. I'm uh, I'll be looking forward to the new music whenever it comes. Yeah, and will, singles will come soon. I will, unfortunately, sure. I will miss you next weekend at High Sierra. I will have to leave a, on a day early, but you will you'll be playing on Sunday and. Um, Again, That's thank, okay. Yeah, you definitely. saw me here. I know. I'm I happy to meet I'm you. I'm so stoked. I'm so glad I got <laughs> to meet you. This has been so much fun. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Cheers. Sweet.
made it to the end of another episode of the Jam Based Podcast. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. We sure hope you like what you hear. Thanks to Yasmin Williams for talking to me at last weekend's Blue Ox Festival. If you get the chance, don't miss the opportunity to see her in concert. Thanks to our sponsor, Section 119. And thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce the episode. I'll see you later today, Jake. We'll be back next week with another jam-based podcast episode. In the meantime, stay safe out there. Go see live music.